Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Elon Musk. I mean, my God, this is like, imagine if somehow Augustus Gloop was the one who uh, bought the chocolate factory and then began firing all the Oompa Loompas because that's that's Twitter. Uh, he just suspended eight journalists this evening uh, for for saying true shit about him. Remember the, the First Amendment's back? Remember he said comedy's back and then he banned Kathy Griffin? Uh, he has been suspending journalists for the crime, for violating the terms of service in terms of being critical of Augustus Gloop. Aaron Rupar, who is to me a mainstay of Twitter, one of the most consistent political voices, someone who documents information, uh, he has got a permanent ban. Donnie O'Sullivan of CNN, Drew Harwell of The Washington Post, Ryan Mack of The New York Times, Matt Binder of Mashable, Michael Lee of The Intercept, and Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann. Elon Musk is self-destructing, folks. He, it's, it's Space Karen just screams fraud. And he suspended Keith Olbermann. You know why? Not because Keith said anything against Augustus Gloop. He suspended Keith Olbermann for the crime of telling people they should support Aaron Rupar. Just crazy. So... Again, we'll talk about that, but there's a lot to get to, and we've got a great, great cast of regulars tonight. Professor Corey Brettschneider will be here very shortly to talk all about the Supreme Court, as well as how significant the uh, Protecting Marriage Act, uh, I'm sorry, the Respect for Marriage Act this week. <laughs> Protecting Marriage Act, my God, we got to have that when, you know, Trump's walking down the aisle. Also, Dr. Jason Nichols of the University of Maryland joins us again. He's got a great piece in Newsweek. Kirsten Cinema tells the Democratic Party to go to hell. I think it's a bit subtle, but I, I want to see if I can drag out what he really thinks. And our own producer, Thea Harper, will be joining us for yet another edition of the Minority Report. And again, as always, we want to hear from you. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. It's a crazy cold day. The weather's rough. The East Coast is getting battered. I hope you're okay wherever you are. I hope you're safe. I hope you're warm. I mean, there has been an emergency drought declared for all of Southern California. Our country's largest water supplier has declared a drought emergency for all of Southern California. We could see water restrictions next year for 19 million people. And on the flip side, over on the East Coast, it's going to be a really cold Christmas. There's a, a blast of Arctic air coming from Siberia, and it's going to be spreading all across the continental U.S. It's going to be breaking records. We'll probably see a lot more storms. Meteorologists are saying this could be the most extreme cold air mass 
to affect the U.S. during December in many, many years. Computer model data shows temperatures are running 30 degrees below the national average by December 23rd. Ooh. If I were you guys, I'd stay inside with my Sirius XM radio and connect with the same people. 866-997-4748 is our number. Chris Hauselt runs this thing from the South Carolina Bureau. Thea runs this thing from Brooklyn. I join you in Manhattan, and we'd love to hear from you all night long, especially if you're angry. Let's let's do a show. Um, so this mediocre, doughy white man who mistreats marginalized people and lies for his own political advancement and thinks he's going to be elected president in 2024, just made a big announcement that wound up being a humiliating cell phone. Now, it might surprise you, but I'm not talking about Donald Trump and his NFT softcore gay porn superhero baseball cards. Have you seen them? If you haven't heard, uh, Grifty McRopeface was making himself a major target of mockery all day after announcing on Wednesday he'd make a major announcement. And everyone was wondering, we were doing it last night on the show. Well, what's it going to be? I mean, will it be, you know, is he he leaving the Republican Party? Is is he going to announce a running mate? Is he leaving the country? Is he going to endorse Kevin McCarthy? No, come on. That would involve thought. It's another money-making scheme. That's all it is. That's all he does. That's all it's about. All of these racist white people somehow have Donald Trump's money in their pockets and Donald Trump wants it back. So he shared on Truth Social, mm -hmm, they got the exclusive scoop, that he's rolling out this official digital trading card. Very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting, he wrote. It's very much like a baseball card in that it's a picture. Um, It's nothing like a baseball card in that it's not a picture of an athlete. It's a picture of someone with lots of fake muscles. I mean, I mean, guys, have you seen how homoerotic these pictures are? I had to buy lube on the way home. I, I, and it's also not like a baseball card because it's not real. It's not a physical thing you can hold with your hands. It's an imaginary make-believe thing that exists on the internet, but you'll get the only one in existence for $99. Another money-making scheme. Hey, you know what? I'll trade you a Trump groveling before Putin and Helsinki card, or, or I've also got a Trump Nazi white supremacist pedophile Thanksgiving card. And if you ha- give me, if you have a, a, a maybe a Trump partying with Epstein card, or maybe a card of Donald Trump calling his own daughter a piece of ass. This morning, Trump started selling these ridiculous gay porn NFT cards of himself to the MAGA faithful for 99 bucks. This evening... Trump is speaking to the log cabin Republicans, the gay Republicans. Imagine that. You spend the afternoon with your fans who are willing to part with $99 to get a fake picture of you. In the evening, the gay Republicans. That's an entire day making appeals to people who hate themselves. Who hates themselves more? A hardworking non-millionaire who gives Trump $99 for a fake gay porn picture? Or a gay Republican? The tax cuts can't taste that good. But no, I'm not even talking about that. This this piece is about virtually the same thing. But I want to talk about Ron DeSantis's latest piece of performative governance. You see, Rhonda said this week that he's going to ask the Florida Supreme Court to impanel a grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoings in Florida with respect to the COVID-19 vaccines. Now, you know, Rhonda, he's previously had these worries about side effects from the COVID vaccines, uh, and he's railed against vaccination requirements. He's running so hard against the shots. Of course, he's had them. 
But he's running so hard against the shots, he's railing against these vaccines like it's 2021. In other words, Ron DeSantis went on TV and talked a lot of nonsense about how he's going to go after deep state scientists. He's going to investigate cardiac-related deaths linked to COVID vaccines. And he's going to start a public health integrity committee to oversee the whole medical establishment. Because, you know, some of these doctors that are trying to just save lives... So they can go home from the hospital and not have people dying around the clock? They're trying to kill you. COVID still kills about 450 Americans a day. And disproportionately, these deaths are among Americans who are not fully vaccinated. Disproportionately, these deaths are among unvaccinated white people who support the Republican Party. And Ron DeSantis is going to help him over your dead body, over your dead body, and over your dead body. And this is what he does. With Ron DeSantis, you have to know it's all bullshit he does for the cameras and then walks away and drops it. That's the guy's entire shtick. Let's look back. Remember the Stop Woke Act? Remember that was his big, we're going to get rid of, we're going to get rid of uh, critical race theory in schools, except there was no critical race theory in schools. But anything that you teach that might make a kid feel bad about white people being racist 100 years, if it makes a white kid feel bad, we're going to ban, it was stopped by the courts because it was absolute bullshit. Ron doesn't talk about it anymore. He didn't fight for it either. He just put it up there to make an announcement and make it appear to the rubes drooling on the clicker while they're watching Newsmax that he's doing something. He was doing nothing. It was nothing. It leads to nothing. Remember when Ronda punished Disney for opposing his don't say gay law by taking away Disney's special Orlando tax district? Yeah, he dropped that too. He walked away. He realized that it's going to cost Florida taxpayers money. He made his big show, didn't do anything to help anybody, but had his performative bullshit and walked away. Remember when he shipped legal migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard illegally using COVID funds that were earmarked for the tax-paying citizens of his state. And then the Republican governor of Massachusetts had to relocate those poor people because Rhonda had lied to them about jobs and green cards just to get him on a plane. <laughs> he doesn't talk about that anymore. And this anti-vaccine announcement, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. It's another Donald Trump softcore gay porn baseball card that doesn't really exist. Mark me. Write it down. Ron DeSantis will never prosecute any vaccine makers or any doctors or any medical officials in the state of Florida. He will never produce any blue ribbon panel report that proves that the, the, the risks of the vaccine were greater than the benefits of the vaccine. He's not going to do anything. He's saying it now. He has his reasons. And it's all performative bullshit from a do-nothing who has nothing of substance to offer anyone. See, Gutless, godless, soulless, dickless monstrosities like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, they know they can get a lot of mileage just by showing cruel people how cruel they can be. The racists and the transphobes love trope, and the racists and the transphobes, they love Rhonda. And these two doughy mediocrities, they make these statements. And the statements they make and the things they do are designed to do one thing. Help people? No. Help conservative people? Hell no. Their statements and policies are designed to make educated people and moral people and liberal people and spiritual people, gay, trans, non-white people, make all those other people angry. And that's it. They want to own the libs. That's the result they need. If decent people who can spell the word your properly are upset, Cletus will think his leader did some leading. 
Now, we don't even know if these two vacant twin sacks of demon pus mean what they say. Remember the Ron DeSantis bullshit voter fraud videos? Remember arresting nonviolent brown people in their driveways around Florida and putting it on camera? Jesus Christ, these ignorant, evil... They're like the comment section of Reddit come to life. These Republicans hurt people. They get off on hurting people. They like hurting people. And they like to be seen hurting people because weak people will think that's strong. They hurt people, so cruel people will think that their id-laden behavior is somehow strength. More than a million Americans have died from COVID, and they don't care. At least six million around the globe, and that's a conservative estimate. And DeSantis made this announcement for one reason. He's positioning himself to be more anti-science than Donald Trump. That's it. That's it. That's all it was about. It's all campaign posturing bullshit. The vaccines work. Are they 100%? No. Do people still get it? Yeah. Can you still spread it? Sure. Are we still losing 3,000 Americans a day? Do we still have morgue trucks piled up outside of hospitals? No. These people need to be called out for being anti-science, anti-fact, anti-public health, anti-Christian. Ron DeSantis is selling himself as Donald Trump without the baggage. The smart Donald Trump. The alternative to Trump that's more electable and less toxic, let me tell you something, he's the same. He's the same, except he didn't weasel his way out of military service. But they both know about Republican voters. They don't care if you lie. Republican voters don't care if you lie to them, and they don't care if you're corrupt, and they really don't care if you're prejudiced, and they don't care if you insult their intelligence with your bullshit. They just want someone to own the libs, because that's all conservatism means. One-fifth of the way through the 21st century, all conservatism means is, can you own the libs? None of these proposals Ron DeSantis made this week will ever lead anywhere. They will never amount to anything. This is performative abuse of government power. It's all for show. It will lead to nothing. Just like Trump. Just like Trump's cards. It's an image that's not real filled with bullshit and a lot of fake muscles. That's Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. They stand only for themselves, and their big announcements are announcing nothing. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
We're always thrilled to be joined by Professor Corey Brett Schneider, a man who uses his brilliance and degrees to enrich the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. You may have read his stuff in the New York Times, Politico, or Time magazine. I can't say this enough. For the politics junkie in your life, for the person who loves America, for the person who loves our system of government in your life, you can find no finer book than The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. And for the Ruth Bader Ginsburg fans in your life, check out his new Penguin Liberty series on free speech, impeachment, and RBG's most notable cases. Professor Brett Schneider, it is a pleasure to have you back. John, appreciate it, and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Uh, obviously, I know you're as excited about Donald Trump's uh, fake softcore gay porn <laughs> NFT baseball cards as I am. But let's let's talk about some more mundane things. Um, I, I just you know, have to say on that, because I, I have been looking at, at what there's going to be. The cowboy in particular, I'm thinking about <laughs> buying. I mean, $99 to see Trump. As $99. Well, like I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll trade you a construction worker and an Indian Trump <laughs> for the cop Trump and the and the Navy Trump, if that's OK. Well, that sounds like a deal for sure. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, Corey, I wanted to talk to you about um, what we saw happen this week, the Respect for Marriage Act. Um you know, it, it was really interesting trying to find critiques of it. It almost seemed like even though uh, the majority of Republicans in the House and the Senate voted against it, they were all too afraid to come out and smear it the day Biden signed mm-hmm. it into law. And and it's it's interesting because um, the main criticism I heard from Republicans, including like Ron Johnson, was uh, it's unnecessary. It's just it's just not necessary. Mm. And I wanted to get your your thoughts on that. And um, is it mm. really unnecessary to have rights be protected by both the federal government and the courts when we've seen the courts are very willing to take those rights right. away? Yeah, I think that's the most immediate answer, that it's absolutely crucial that this legislation was passed because we have a right to gay marriage, a constitutional right that's been affirmed by the Supreme Court. But as we just saw with Roe Ro versus Wade, uh, what the court gives, it can also take away. And I certainly think not only that it can do that, but that, that it's leaning in that direction. Um, and, you know, you see this in a variety of different ways. One is that one of the foundations of gay rights generally under the Constitution, including the right to gay marriage, is pegged to the right of privacy, the broad right that abortion rights were also based on. So as they mm-hmm. attack the right to privacy, it under undermines, I think, the the underpinnings of the right to gay marriage. The approach that they use of originalism, looking for the text, they're very fond of saying that there is no gay marriage in the text of the Constitution. That's the kind of move that they made, you know, I think bad move <laughs> in eviscerating rights in, in Roe. And of course, there are all sorts of things under our Constitution. Uh, the right to criticize the president is never explicitly mentioned, but of course, it's part of the principle of free speech as we understand it. Um, so those are, you know, rights that are under attack under this mode of interaction. You see in Justice Gorsuch's writings, too, a real disdain for gay rights under the Constitution and, and gay marriage in particular. He talks about the sort of um, idea in his dissertation, uh, repeats the, the sort of slur that Scalia uh, gave comparing uh, gay people to those who engage in bestiality. Yeah. Uh, so this is not a court that I would trust with our rights. And more generally, yes, I mean, it would be better overall if, if the Congress, if our, our democratic system 
affirmed our rights and to protect them. Of course, the court was right to do that, too. But especially now, we need a democratic affirmation of our basic rights. I agree, Professor. It's important to, to note that this Respect for Marriage Act, it's not going to give anyone any rights they didn't already have. It's merely designed to protect the rights that Americans have right now. It's not going to force any states to give gay marriage licenses. It just requires that people will still be legally considered married in any state as long as the pre-existing condition of their marriage was valid in the state where it was performed, which I assume means right. even if those states rescind marriage equality, even if... The, the Supreme Court goes ahead and decides to throw out Obergefell. The existing marriages will still be protected. Yes, it provides for basic protection, and I think that's a, a, a fundamental thing that I, I'm I'm glad to see in it. I would say I do have a criticism of the content of it, and that it doesn't Please. go far enough. Of uh, course, I, you know what what Obergefell says. Of course, is that there is a right to be married. Period. Anywhere, and yes, absolutely, your state has to issue you a marriage license, regardless of whether it's run by radical right-wing Republicans or progressives. Uh, So I would have liked to have seen legislation that actually said that and said they went for this more moderate idea that you, um, you know, if one state basically issued you a license in the past or issues it now, all states have to recognize it. It's a more roundabout way of protecting the right to gay marriage. They also reverse DOMA, the Defense right. of Marriage Act. So the, that you didn't know, get much. Was, by the not, way, that, 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 that the funny thing about DOMA signed into law by a Democratic president in the dead of night. So right. no one would know about it. And right. then repealed from the law by a Democratic president in the middle of the day. But barely anyone knows about that. This bill right. stripped one of Bill Clinton's lowest moments, a moment that, look, I, I get it. Bill Clinton had a fear that if he didn't sign this, Bob Dole could somehow be elected president. We forget how homophobia was the moral regularity 30 odd years ago so I, I i totally get how they did it but i was a bit surprised we didn't hear more people talking about you know this was just undoing three decades of bullshit they they took out doma it's gone yeah and it's one of the most historic moments here it's one thing when a court says the courts the supreme court did strike down doma but now you have congress really saying to itself well we made a mistake here in the past and i think that is significant and should be celebrated because <clears throat> DOMA, after all, was a real embarrassment for the Democratic Party and stood for a non-progressive uh, uh, party that wasn't really committed to equality. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really was um, very moving, and it really was very necessary. We have to keep pointing out that it's Clarence Thomas, the longest-serving Supreme Court justice— <laughs> The man who was hired to undo Thurgood Marshall's legacy, the man who was appointed by a president who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And he's the one who came out and wrote, put it in print, that the court should consider reexamining their previous rulings, including um, the one about same-sex relations being legal, not just marriage equality being legal. And then even contraception. I mean, they're really going to go for it, aren't they? They're just, they, they right. spent a long time building up this Supreme Court to have a 6-3 majority of these, these, these five homophobic men who wear long black dresses, and they're not going to stop just because their ideas aren't popular, are they? No, I think I love the five, uh, the, the black dresses comment. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, but what is definitely certain is that even if we can speculate whether they have five or six votes, they certainly have, you know, three votes when it comes to 
trying to get rid of um, the right to contraception, the right to gay marriage. And let's go beyond that. I mean, remember, not too long ago in the 1980s, Justice Scalia in the Bowers decision said that states that want to criminalize, put people in jail for gay sex, they can do so. And, you know, he famously said there's no constitutional right to sodomy. And uh, right. we're so far past that. And yet those views haven't disappeared. Those are the views of Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, and I believe Justice Gorsuch. And, uh, you know, they would bring us right back to that that Stone Age. And, and um, you know, and as we started talking about before, let's not forget how many Democrats were complicit in, in the real exactly disregard. Right. For gay marriage. So, so it, it is, to me, a moment of reckoning. It was necessary to have the Supreme Court do what it did. It made the right decision in those cases. But now that those cases are vulnerable, that's one reason. But more importantly, it is just important for the American people as a whole, through their democratic branches, to say, look, if you're gay, you are an equal in the society. Yeah, you're not less it. than. And that's what's happening at this moment. Exactly right. And I think we have to keep pointing out all the time what they want to do is find a way to contort and abuse religion to deny rights to taxpaying American citizens. That's it. Yeah. Because the cruelty is the point. And the more cruel yeah, they behave, I, the better they can get votes. Yeah, I think that whenever we talk about any of these issues, privacy, gay rights, contraception um, and abortion, of course, that what's lurking in the background is an idea of religion that isn't, you know, cordoned off from uh, dictating what our politics are, but really is front and center. And we have a guarantee in this country that there's not an official religion. And yet I think you have justices who don't really believe that, who, and, who and want to see religion inform our politics in a way that, that well, really becomes yeah. theocratic. They want to see their version of religion, yeah, you know, exactly. their version of religion where Jesus uh, somehow miraculously hates the same gay people they do. And it's legislators <laughs> as well. Congressman Bob Good from Virginia came out this week and kind of lost it on the House floor. And he, he, he cited his opposition to marriage equality because it would lead to polygamy, bestiality, child right. marriage or whatever. You know, comparing <laughs> same sex marriage to bestiality doesn't make you look like a good Christian, it makes you look like a guy who thinks a little too much about bestiality. Um, Corey, let yeah. me ask you something else, because it's a it's actually a good week. And historically, there's a lot of good news, not just the Respect for Marriage Act. This is a week where a lot of people are going to learn about our fifth Supreme Court Chief Justice, Roger Taney, who has a bust sitting outside the old Supreme Court chamber, where the court used to meet from 1810 to 1860. The House passed legislation to remove that bust from the Capitol today. Um, why is Roger Taney so well-known among historians? I mean, well-known among historians, and really the American people have to know who this was. I mean, just as we have these figures that we uh, regard as great people in the fight for emancipation, Frederick Douglass, I think, is about as well-known as any American in history at this point. We also have to know, you know, that there were demons out there. And Roger Taney really was uh, a demon. He was uh, a complicit in the evil of slavery in the worst possible way. And what he did um, was during the Buchanan uh, administration, right before Lincoln, uh, decided a case that basically nationalized the right to own black people. And mm -hmm. there was a question in Dred Scott, a case brought by 
um, a formerly enslaved person who had been uh, in a free state and then returned to a, a slave state um, uh, and basically what was reclaimed by uh, his uh, owner's family. Uh, right. And this person wanted a simple thing. I want to appear in court and make a case for my freedom that I have traveled outside of a slave state and, you know, once free, always free. That was the, the idea. And what Tani did was take this case uh, that really uh, was found in the midst of America that was divided between slave states and non-slave states and tried to nationalize the right that's to right. own Slaves. And that, that's really what the, the Dred Scott case did. It was nothing less than a denial of black people to be part of we the people and a, a, a really announcement that it means we the white people. That's now, right. of course, there had been racism in America before, but this was uh, a, a real step in the direction of, of white supremacy, a giant step and, and a frightening one at that. Uh, yeah, it triggered well, I mean, the Civil War, among other things, and, and yeah. or at least was a major cause of it. I mean, it was literally the Supreme Court um, institutionalizing white supremacy. <laughs> when right. we complain about institutionalized racism and systems and structures of it, it's right. because of this. And it almost seems like looking at this and then looking at what the court did with Roe, it almost seems like the Supreme Court can go really off uh, off the road in, in, unless we have constant political vigilance in protecting our rights yeah. in both cases. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's the connection that... Um, you know, we have these two stories uh, in, the, in the news right now. One is uh, the, the, the um, really Congress stepping up and saying we're not going to defer to the Supreme Court on gay marriage. We're going to defend it ourselves. And then we have this other story that looks like it's just a story about history, and it's really not. It's a story about reclaiming from a really disgusting Supreme Court um, the dignity of America and the American Constitution. And it's a rebuke by taking down Tawny's statue from from Congress, uh, a rebuke to that court, and also a warning to us, not just about the past, but about the future, that if we leave our hands, uh, our rights in the hands of the Supreme Court, we, we really are in trouble. Corey, let's let's talk about one more uh, dark threat to the American people. I think um, the Consumer Financial Protection Board is one of those things that makes me feel patriotic about our government. The very fact that our government has an office dedicated to trying to help Americans who are being ripped off. I mean, it's literally the consumer protection, right? That's that's what it's for. So, you know, I can understand why big business interests wouldn't be a big fan of this. I mean, the Consumer Financial Protection Board gave us Elizabeth Warren. But it seems like the people who own this country are now using their money to try to scale back on even this protection for American consumers. No doubt that there's a, a, a wing of the Republican Party of libertarians, as they often call themselves, opposed to any government regulation, um, a kind of radical view that would dismantle the administrative state, the sort of regulations that we have through the Federal Trade Commission, the Federal Communications Commission, mm -hmm. all of which were really have their origins in the New Deal and the idea that, look, government has to protect us from corporations. So, yes, the owners of many of these corporations, many wealthy people, don't don't like the New Deal still and don't like yeah. that protection that we have from FDR on. And I think it's not just them, though. It's not just that they're the puppets of the of the, the puppet masters of the Supreme Court. I think, unfortunately, that ideology is shared 
by many of these justices who would just like to wreak havoc on the protections that we citizens have against corporations gone uh, unchecked. And, you know, that's what you're seeing here. It's partly the lobbying efforts and the litigation efforts of, of, you know, certain groups funded by libertarians. But it's also a really sympathetic Supreme Court that more and more is taking a lead in trying to dismantle the administrative state. And you've seen that with the Environmental Protection Agency. You've seen this agency in particular that we're talking about, the Consumer Protection Agency, just been targeted again and again. And and really the goal is, is about as radical as you could get. It's to dismantle these agencies. They claim in this case, for instance, that they're after the funding mechanism. They claim that's my question about it. They were worried about the leadership, but it really is about destroying the agency altogether. To me, it just seems like if we, the people, are meant to establish justice and promote the general welfare, then having a government office devoted specifically to assisting Americans who have been ripped off by fraud meets every constitutional standard. But it, 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 these guys seem to know that, and they know they can't come out and demand it be taken away, because if they do that, there'll be a big fight. And conservative people might realize there's a government office designed to help them from predatory lenders. <laughs> so instead of actually attacking attacking the, the board themselves, what they're doing is to go after how it's funded. I, I know that it right. gets around $600 million as a budget. Th- this whole thing began after the Dodd-Frank Wall Street reform law, after we all got ripped off in the good old Bush days that nobody remembers anymore, but their funding comes from the Federal Reserve. Is the essential argument these oligarchs are making that the whole thing needs to be thrown out because under the Appropriations Clause, only Congress can fund something like this? Is that really the backdoor way they're trying to do this? Yes, it's part of an overall effort to use certain formalistic ways of thinking about the separation of powers in American government that really says, you know, we have three branches, basically, and that means that what happened during the New Deal, having independent agencies is a constitutional violation. Now, you know, we're way past that. We've had precedent after precedent recognizing that the New Deal was not unconstitutional. There was Mm -hmm. a debate during the New Deal about its constitutionality that that ended. But these groups want to bring it back and they're succeeding. And yes, they do things that are, you know, really, uh, frankly, pretty complicated in their techniques. So the funding mechanism ensures independence for this agency, that the money comes from the Federal Reserve, so it doesn't have to be dependent on crazies in the House of Representatives that we're starting to see. You don't want uh, Boebert, for instance, determining the annual funding of of this agency. (laughs) She would just defund it. So they saw that and brilliantly took it outside of, of, of Congress's power to, to up or, or bring down the annual budget and, and got the funding tied to the Federal Reserve more directly. That's the idea of independence, not being That's it. dependent on the lobbying of, of banks. But yet they're, they're finding ways that that's kind of very simple argument about three branches of government, uh, you know, as, as if high school civics would just eviscerate the New Deal. Imagine a teacher teaching that way, that the the three branches of government are incompatible with everything that FDR left us. I mean, it's really that simple and that much of a travesty. Professor Brett Schneider, I want to thank you for enriching our lives and our brains and classing up this show for yet another year. It's a real, real joy. I look forward to every Thursday night. Will you be with us next week, or are you already going to be off gallivanting on your vacation? No, I'm going to be, be here with you. And uh, Oh, well, uh, saying, then I take back uh, everything I just said, and I'll... 
Yeah, I'll, I, I take it all back. I will be obsequious a week from tonight. Corey, okay. thank you so much. Everyone follow the professor at Brett Schneider C on the Twitter. If he, Are you still on the Twitter? I think you are. I am. Uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Five House Republicans promised that they would move as a united bloc on the speaker vote, threatening Kevin McCarthy's candidacy. You're going to check out from news now, just when Kevin McCarthy's entire decades of political selfish work crumble. Please keep 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 it tuned on. Keep it tuned in. You owe it to yourself to stop and smell the train wreck. By the way, the January 6th uh, committee chair just teased their final hearing may include evidence that has not yet been made public. We are at 866-997-4748. I am so pleased to welcome Dr. Jason Nichols back to the show. He's an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland in College Park. You may have seen Dr. Jason in in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, Fox News, NBC News, um, Newsmax, MSNBC, all over the place. He also co-hosts the Vince and Jason Save the Nation podcast. His new piece (laughs) in Newsweek is Dynamite. Kirsten Cinema tells the Democratic Party to go to hell. Jason Nichols, welcome back, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, John. You know, I love being here with you. Love having you as well. I I, I guess we should have known something like this was coming. I guess we were all dancing around doing our 51 House, 51-seat Senate majority dance after Reverend Warnock won the runoff early last week, and uh, the celebrations were short-lived. Um, were you surprised that Senator Cinema? consistently looking out for the one constituent that matters to her would do this? No, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, she read the room in Arizona. She has a 19% uh, approval rating among Democrats in Arizona. And you compare that to someone like Mark Kelly, who's at 83%. And, and, uh, you know, the guy who says he's going to basically run against her is at 74%, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's Ruben Gallego. And he just won his reelection uh, in Congress, and he won 77% of the vote. So the writing was on the wall. She had already been censured by the state party. Um, she wanted to blow this thing up. And basically, it was it's a strong arm political move. So, you know, the thing that really irritates me is that she goes around and she's making it seem this is about Arizona. No, it's not. It's not. This is Never a swampy is. move. This is a total house of cards, swampy kind of strong arm move. She realizes that uh, two years from now, Democrats, to be honest, are in trouble, John. I mean, in, in the yeah. Senate, we look at, you know, Manchin's going to go, no matter what you think about Manchin, he's going to have a very tough time 
mm-hmm. winning uh, West Virginia again. John Tester is going to have a really tough time winning in Montana. Uh, you know, there are, and all those, you know, really close races, you know, in places like Nevada and Michigan, those people are up for, you know, are, are going to be running against Stabenow is, is going to be That's up right. in Michigan. And then um, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but the, the person in, uh, in Nevada uh, mm-hmm. is, is, is going to be running. These are going to be really tough races. So she knew that Democrats need every Senate seat that they can get. And she's basically right. saying, if you don't back me, if you run someone against me, then you'll get Senator Carrie Lake. And, and you know, this is this is a uh, this is a political move. It's I mean, to be honest, you know, from a political standpoint, it's a smart one in a way, but it's it's just awful politics and it's why people don't like politicians. Yeah, it's awful. Let's let, let's talk about why it's awful and, and why it's also um, wickedly great. Uh, let's just assume that Carrie Lake decides, you know, she's going to run for the Senate seat uh, in two years. I don't know how she's going to do that when she's the legally elected governor. But, you know, uh, she'll, she can make those claims. Um, I think people need to know a bit more about Ruben Gallego. Because he's someone who is just on the verge of becoming a major national figure. I'm talking Barack Obama giving a speech in 2004. This guy is so dynamic, so passionate, so bilingual in a state like Arizona. Uh, Dr. Jason, what should our listeners know about Ruben Gallego that people in Arizona know? Well, he, he's somebody that I, I've had kind of, you know, in the future on my presidential kind of uh radar number one he's a fire breather he's a fighter and i think democrats want that you know it seems like all the fire breathers are on the right and he's somebody who step in there and step in the ring with them and and swing for the fences and uh the fact that he's a marine corps veteran somebody with border cred you know Mm -hmm. uh while republicans are gonna constantly attack Democrats without actually coming up with any solutions for our problems on the border, and they do exist. Um, he's somebody who's who's got that kind of credibility coming from uh, Southern Arizona. And on top of all of that, he's got, you know, as I said before, the, the military. And I think the bilingual point is really important. Even though we didn't see this big transition of Latinos that people were saying was gonna happen, um, you know, I think it's still good to to have that kind of diversity in the party and in the party leadership uh, and to certainly not take that, that demographic for granted. And he's somebody who I think touches a lot of different demographics and he's not a, afraid to get his knuckles bloody. And I think that's a that's a good thing for Democrats right now. Really is. And I'm sure that Kirsten Cinema, in her way, is terrified of a primary challenge because that's really the only reason why she would drop out of the Democratic Party, isn't it? I mean, she she yeah. seems to want to keep her job. And I, I got to be honest, you make a really good point in your Newsweek piece. We're all talking about, oh, Carrie Lake getting the Senate, Carrie Lake getting the Senate. I mean, Carrie Lake is a twit and a divisive figure. And we saw even Republicans in Arizona don't like her because apparently um, crapping all over John McCain doesn't go over that well in Arizona just yet. So you point out if the Republicans run a moderate candidate like Governor Doug Ducey, who could unify the state GOP and not divide it like Carrie Lake did this last year, he'd, he'd be impossible to beat. Now, Obviously, Senator Sinema wants to be an independent, like Bernie Sanders, who caucuses with the Democrats. And we have to point out here, obligatorily, she has voted with Biden 90% of the time. 
um, she's blocked him on some important things. We don't have voting rights safe and we don't have a decent minimum wage and she didn't want rich people to get taxed more. I could go on. But but is the worry that if she runs as an independent um, and Gallego gets the Democratic nomination, it'll completely split the ticket? Or is the worry that she'll run as an independent like Bernie and then still try to run as a Democrat, I guess, at the same time? I mean, there's a lot of ways this could go badly. And I I I need you to explain something, doctor. I don't see how her making this choice makes her more likely to hang on to the seat. Yeah, I don't I don't think it does. Well, I think what it does is it strong arms the Democratic Party. It says think twice about running a candidate uh, in a primary against me because or, you know, obviously she's not going to run in a Democratic primary, but just kind of hang back. Don't don't put a bunch of money into it. Don't try to boost some other candidate up. Uh, you know, they're probably, you know, Democrats obligatorily are going to run somebody, but don't put too much into it. I will be the the left, the farthest left you're going to get out of Arizona. I think that's the thing is she's strong arming the party. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like I said, I think it's a smart political move um, because she knows she's basically saying you're not going to do any better than me. Um because if I run as an independent, I'm going to take that 19%. I'm going to take a lot of the big money Democrats to the corporate Democrats. Um, and, you know, I'll get some of those independents in the middle. And, you know, we have to remember, even though, we're, you know, I, I agree 100%, obviously I wrote it, that Doug Ducey would be the person who would benefit. You know, even if it is Carrie Lake, we got to remember she won, what, 49% of the vote in Arizona. Yeah. And being a complete nutcase. So, you know, I think that it's it's worth it to recognize the the power play that she's running here. She would not have won that 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 primary against Ruben Gallego. Gallego would have beaten her. She's she's not very charismatic. She's not somebody who likes to talk to the media. Um, You know, she doesn't. And, you know, I talked to some people on the ground there in in um in arizona and she hasn't gone to an naacp uh event in eight years she hasn't done a town hall meeting she hasn't done a town hall meeting for her own constituents she has all if mitch mcconnell says i need you to be the fundraiser for evil evil billionaires she'll be there she'll show up anywhere mitch mcconnell tells her to show up to get a check but she won't have a single town hall with her own constituents yeah no I, i mean she runs you know, 100% from the left. And then, you know, of course, she plays the victim. There were, there were, you know, a couple of things that happened. Somebody followed her into a bathroom or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, that doesn't mean you should run from your constituents, not answer their questions, uh, not speak to them, and, you know, benefit, you know, uh, somebody who, who once, once actually was a member of the Green Party is sitting That's there right. and standing up for uh, you know the the most the all the corporate interests the the finance industry wall That's street it. wants to it wouldn't allow for you know people to make a a, a living wage we're talking about the 15 dollar minimum That's wage putting that down she didn't care it's, didn't care it, it's it's absolutely crazy and i and i think that you know gallego was somebody who was clear about the fact that he was going to body slam her in in that primary it wasn't even going to be close and she said she made a power play and to be honest like i said it's from a washington swampy 
uh, perspective, it was a smart one. It is because it seems like now um, the position Democrats find themselves in is that Gallego is going to run no matter what. I mean, they're going to the Democrats are not going to not have a nominee. They're going right. to run someone. She is going to take so much money from Mitch McConnell's friends. I mean, Mitch McConnell told the top GOP donors to give her the maximum, and they have. And then she's going to have probably more money on hand than Ducey or, or, or Gallego. And then it's going to be this three-way race. And it's a very, very good chance that the two, that, that she and, the, and, the, and Gallego would split the ticket. And Doug Ducey or Carrie Lake or, you know, the ghost of Evan Meacham uh, can walk in there and, and get the gig. This is why we need ranked choice voting, isn't it? This is why Arizona, this at ranked choice voting could save that seat in Arizona. I mean, at least it would guarantee that that cinema would be there. It seems to be that she's willing to crash the whole plane and get a Republican elected because she's going to get paid no matter what. And if she crashes the plane, takes their money, crashes the whole thing and gets Doug Ducey elected, well, then her career as a Republican shill is still solid. Yeah, no, absolutely. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's going to get paid to win it or get paid to lose it. Either way, she'll get paid. Right. And and I think what, what again, this... You know, Democrats are certainly going to run somebody. They're going to run probably Ruben Gallego. Um, but basically, she's telling him, don't invest in this. You know, she's telling the national party, the state party, don't invest in this because, you know, you want me, you know, because yeah. if you, or other, otherwise it's, it's going to split this whole thing. So don't put your money down on this guy. Try to, you know, boost my campaign or at least stay out of it. Yeah. Um, either way, I, I think Doug Ducey wins that. Just you know, looking at the landscape in Arizona, right. we oh remember, God, Arizona right. is a very oh interesting state. That was the place where people were literally at poll, you know, at uh, you know, drop boxes with guns and masks. Yeah. So yeah, um, and yet Arizona, the state that fought so hard to keep from recognizing Dr. King's birthday as a holiday, they now have a Democratic governor and two Democratic senators, or at least one and a half. I mean, cinema. You know, Doctor, I, I've met her, I've interviewed her, and it's heartbreaking because I, I, I supported her, I endorsed her, I was nice to her, I praised her, she was on a TV show I did, and and everyone that's ever known her, worked with her, in some cases dated her, has come out to say that she's always been like this, she's a complete grifter fraud. I mean, is it reasonable to think the way her trajectory is going that it seems impossible to think, but it in in, in 10 years she could be another Sarah Palin, couldn't she? She could be yeah, full blown MAGA. I'm, I'm going to give her a little more credit than that. I think she's smarter than Sarah Palin, number of one. Of course. Uh, sure. But not as charismatic. I, I, I think Sarah Palin's actually more charismatic. But Sarah Palin's not afraid of being interviewed by her own party. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, she's somebody who's always been ambitious. Uh, she's a cutthroat politician through and through and she's not about her constituents because she won't even talk to them like she's above <laughs> even talking to them so it, it's I, i'm hoping that ruben gallego gets boosted on a national level so strongly that he he becomes just a juggernaut um and and it is obama 2004 i, I mean i think gallego I think so and and again gallego and i would say wes moore and to a certain extent, Gretchen Whitmer, they give Democrats something that we've missed for a really yeah. long time. Not only diversity, 
number one, which I think Democrats have done a decent job with diversity over the past couple of years. But one of the things is patriotism. It's really hard to challenge a guy like Westmore who jumped out of airplanes. You know, I, I was talking and I'm not even afraid to say it. I, I, I saw Greg Kelly, if you know Greg Kelly is. But I anyway. know Greg Kelly. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I, I've never needed that level of medication, but I, I know who Greg is. Yes. Right. So we, we were, you know, having a conversation and I was like, you know, uh, he, he's talking about Pete Buttigieg and, and, you know, all of that. And I'm like, you can't challenge Westmore's, fairly challenge Westmore's patriotism. You know, yes. the guy put his life on the line and even he yeah. had to acknowledge it. It's like Westmore, his military service is legit. You can try and, you know, minimize people like Pete Buttigieg because they had different kinds of jobs. But certainly Westmore, Ruben Gallego, who's a Marine, That's right. uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he was infantry, if I'm not mistaken. And, mm -hmm. you know, these these guys have been to war. They they actually fought and bled and, you know, could have bled for this country. Um, and I and I think that that's something that once you start kind of grasping that back from all the f flag waving MAGA people, they have very little left, you know. Yeah. Like, but, but you know what? But in addition to just being patriotic, they also have something else that is really needed for the next generation of leadership of this party. They're they're alpha liberals, you know, nothing against Governor Katie Hobbs who it seemed like she was terrified of her own shadow, but she certainly knew what she was doing. She did not debate, and thank God she didn't. She denied Carrie Lake that photo op. Katie Hobbs just, you know, hid her way into getting the governor's office, and God yeah. bless her for it. But but I think people are hungry for that alpha liberal, for that person who's going to stand there and take back the flag, take back the Bible, and remind people that compassion is strength and caring about the least of us is both Christian and patriotic. People want—I mean, I think even conservatives, they, they no one wants another John Kerry punching bag. They want to see people who are going to get in there and scrap with decency and intelligence. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, and, and you're right about Katie Hobbs. She at least did one really smart thing, and that's recognize your strengths and weaknesses. And yeah. she realized it, that her opponent was, you know, for everything, all the craziness about Carrie Lake, she is media savvy. That's one thing she is. She's, yeah. you know, she's quick on her feet. She's media savvy. She, you know, she's good in front of a camera. She can work a room. And that's not Katie Hobbs. Um, yeah. But I definitely think Ruben Gallego is somebody, like you said, who's willing to scrap, you know, and, and that I love that, you know, I the love guy, that. You know, that's I, how you get I, independence. That's how you get independence. That's how you get moderates. That's how you get even even even, you know, some conservatives. I mean, Obama couldn't do it. Obama, Obama was able to be Vulcan and above the fray. But, you know, like Biden at his best does that. Um, and I think we've seen a few other really charismatic Democrats who can do it. And I think there's a real hunger for it, especially among young voters who are waiting to get turned on by somebody. Yeah, I think Wes Moore is kind of an Obama uh, kind of figure. I mean, just incredible. You should have him on your show, by the way. I'd love uh, to get him on my show. Yeah. Incredible. We'll, we'll see what we can make happen. Um, well, thank you, Doctor. Incredibly articulate. I don't know him personally, but I I know people who know him. We could, well, I'll see what I can do. But he's you know so articulate and just yes. you know just really polished you know in, in a way that I think is inspirational and charming for a lot of people. I, I think Gretchen Whitmer is the type of person who gets the job done. 
She I came agree. in there and swept Michigan. Everybody thought Michigan was this kind of, uh, you know, purple state. And she's, she came through and made it blue uh, all it. the way. And I think those, those are the three figures off the top of my head that I think are the future of the party. We need fighters. We need somebody who's above the fray and we need somebody who gets it done. And I think those three people are, you know, fill those three roles, um, you know, as we're seeing the Biden, you know, whether Biden runs again, I think he is and I think he should, uh, yeah. whether Biden runs again or not. I think the party is in, is in good hands moving forward. But Kirsten Cinema, uh, Kirsten Cinema definitely threw a monkey wrench in all of this with with her antics here. Let me throw one more name, at, a couple more names at you, because I, I, I actually think that the closest we have to Obama right now is, is in a way, Buttigieg, who I first heard about because Obama was such a big fan of his back when he was mayor. Um, in terms of being able to be that academic, that cerebral, and yet not hateable, like when you can be that Vulcan in your discourse and still be accessible all the time, I love watching Pete Buttigieg go on Fox News. He's oh, so good so. at it. But another name we're starting to hear a lot now and I'm really happy about it, is the subject of your excellent piece in Newsweek from last week. Uh, in Georgia, black voters deliver for Democrats again. I mean, arguably, when Senator Raphael Warnock can win four elections in the state of Georgia in two years, they're going to be talking about him as presidential material, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's possible. I, I, I will say, um, and as much as I, I, I love Senator Warnock, um, he did not have the strongest opponent and either time, to be honest, both of his really weak opponents, uh, this particular opponent, just incredibly weak. Um, and, and it also just was so insulting to black voters when you had this guy and, and, you know, Republicans are like, Hey, look, we got a black guy. And, and, you know, that's that's just so insulting. racist wet dream racist wet dream every every negative stereotype of of brutal ignorant violent black men who are absentee fathers matched with this grinning sycophant who is going to do all their bidding at the same time it was like two different kinds of right-wing porn in one man yeah i mean it was it was just an embarrassment um and it showed how little they think of black voters um it's deeply it's just they think so little of black voters thinking that they're just going to see a black face and a black guy who ran the football and think that, hey, we like this guy despite his sordid past. And I, and I think it's and present at that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have to talk about the fact that he's not seeing his kids presently. Correct. Um, but again, it's this is the, the type of thing, uh, you know, where we see Republicans for who they are and they don't really have, I listened to your conversation with the Reverend there and, and they don't really have, you know, morals or like values that they stick to because if they did, you know, Herschel Walker would have been the last person they, they put out there. And I'll just say this about Pete Buttigieg. I I like Pete Buttigieg, but I'll just tell you, I, I think he's really, I mean, he's so smart and so articulate. And and is so difficult to debate. The problem is he's almost, and I'm just saying this from a political strategist standpoint. He's yeah. almost too smooth. I know. Like I know. It's almost you. You feel like he's too polished. There is a such thing as polished as a politician. 
And Especially among Democrats. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it happen before. You know, someone who's perfect yeah. on paper. And, and yeah, I, I just I, I do the Obama comparison because it's rare to see someone who could be that academic and that likable at the same time. I don't know how those guys do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think Obama, Obama 2008 was like he was straight out of central casting. Like you can't like you can't even dream up a better candidate. Uh, he was America. also running, but, but he also was running against someone very weak, and by that I mean George W. Bush. I mean he wasn't really running against McCain Palin. He he was running against Bush, and and that's been the problem in my lifetime, Doctor. Democratic presidents, I've only seen them get elected after Republican presidents fuck everything up. Jimmy Carter got in because of Watergate. Bill Clinton got in because twelve years of trickle down finally collapsed. Obama got in there because of you know who, um, and Joe Biden got in there because racist clown lied to everybody during a plague like i've never seen a democrat get the white house when things were going okay they're always the fire department that's called in to put out the arsonist fire yeah absolutely the only thing i I would add you know since we were talking about kirsten cinema the reason bill clinton got in was ross perot you're (laughs) exactly right exactly right and and again she's pulling a a, you know a reverse ross perot essentially uh and you know kind of you know, because Ross Perot was, you know, he was a, a money guy and he was, uh, you know, he was charismatic and he was he was basically going to be a Republican outside of the Republican name. That's true. And that's exactly what uh, Kirsten Cinema is doing in Arizona. Oh, God, you're right. Uh, Jason, I have to ask you one thing before I let you go. And thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to be suckering you into coming on the show a lot more in the new year. Um, Absolutely. I've been waiting, how you doing, bro. How, how, are you doing, how are you doing on Twitter? I, I've really been enjoying your tweets about the moving garbage fire we've seen. And a lot of my favorite people just got banned tonight. But you've shown how to do it right without actually opening yourself up by naming uh, Augustus Gloop. You, you tweeted earlier in the week, what billionaire is going to start a social media app where the owner doesn't endorse political candidates, spread disinformation, and make stupid stuff trend. I'm ready to join immediately. I'm yeah. so glad you haven't quit Twitter yet, but what's what's your take on it? I mean, I'm like, where did all these anti-Semites and racists and homophobes come from so suddenly? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... And, and it's interesting because he says he's a free speech absolutist. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <laughs> You know, again, when it gets really unpopular, and if it's unpopular with the right, then he'll he'll ban you. Um, I, I think it's, you know, where we're going with social media is a dangerous place where a guy who knows he can't be president is trying to get the most power that he possibly can. And he's also one of the wealthiest men. He just got replaced as the wealthiest man in the entire world. That's right. Um, so he wants to control the flow of information. And again, all of his stuff is, you know, that he tweets is disinformation. Uh, this whole Twitter file thing is ridiculous. Most of it is already known. We've already known a lot of it. Um, I think that um, we're in a dangerous place. But one of the things that I will say Please. is something that uh, Dave Chappelle said that I agree with. And that is social media is not real. That's not the real world. Okay. And I think Republicans were winning big on social media before the midterms and they were like we're gonna win 90 seats you know i I think it was uh i think it was gingrich who said they were gonna win 90 seats Mm -hmm. but the rest of the world doesn't really exist in social media that that social media weird conservative echo chamber we live in the real world 
where people <laughs> think about real world things and they don't like crazy, you know? Um, and I think we found that out with, in the midterms. They were all shocked. They were like, oh my God, we can't believe this happened. But when I talk to my neighbors, some of whom who are, you know, I'd say right leaning, um, you know, I was hearing different things. They were like, yeah, I don't like this, this direction we're going in. I don't, I don't like the Trump stuff anymore, you know, and, and I think um, some of those people need to get off Twitter, you know, get out of their phones and actually talk to people. And I hope Democrats also take a note of that. But I do like social media and I hope someone does make that app because Maybe I'll get some problems, <laughs> you know. Dr. Jason Nichols, I'm always so honored and, and thrilled anytime you join us. Thank you for making my job easy. Uh, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work, sir? Well, certainly you can follow me on Twitter you know, for, for the time being. <laughs> for the time being. Uh, at Dr. Jason Nichols. Um, and you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jason Nichols, PhD. Or, um, you know, you can find me in the street. <laughs> at the gas station or something. I'm going to look for you in the I will look for you in the streets, sir. I'll find you in the streets. Thank you so much, doctor, for joining us. I, I, if we, I think we'll see you before Christmas. If we don't, Merry Christmas. But I think we might be getting you back here before then. And uh, I hope you have a great evening. Thanks so much for staying up late. Thank you, John. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Remember, it's never officially a holiday family fight until someone screams, we're not fighting, we're discussing. We're at 866-997-4748. Um, COVID-19, remember that? Uh, well, the White House announced this morning that um, they're not saying it's getting worse again, but they're now going to start providing free COVID home tests because they're getting ready for a wintertime surge of cases. Remember in September, they suspended this program after giving out 600 million free tests? Well, the officials have reopened the covidtests.gov website today. It's going to be a limited round of ordering do yourself, do your family a favor. If you're not like my house where you have this crazy box of 400, my God, the public school sent them home with my kid. But if you don't have them around, go to covidtests.gov. Households can obtain four free at-home tests, which will be mailed for free starting next week. COVID cases are rising around the country, and they're driven by the new strains that can thwart immune defenses. 
mandates are gone. They can't scream about mandates anymore. So the White House is trying to send out more free tests by mail and to schools, community health centers, and long-term facilities. The White House winter preparedness plan is working with states to try and get the vaccination rates up again, including more pop-up or mobile vaccination sites, which are very good ideas. They are pre-positioning masks and other protective gear and making contingencies in case our hospitals become overwhelmed again and need help with staffing. Please stay safe. Here is uh, A5 White House Coronavirus Coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha, urging us to click on over for more of those free tests to make it through the winter. Today, we're opening up covidtest.gov for a limited time this winter to give Americans another easy option to access testing when there is a greater need as there is right now. Starting today, each U.S. household can order up to four at-home tests free from covidtest.gov with tests starting to ship as early as next week, the week of December 19th. And as we've said for months, we're operating in a resource-constrained environment in the absence of additional congressional funding for the nation's COVID response. And that means we've had to make some tough choices. Like in the summer, we were forced to suspend the covidtest.gov program so we could preserve our tests. Why did we want to preserve our tests? Because we knew there would be a moment later in the year when COVID cases would rise again. So we kept, we preserved the tests so we could have them on hand for exactly this moment. And if we don't get more funding, we won't be able to send more tests out to the American people. We are at 866-997-4748. Let me just tell you, Chris, you haven't been in New York in a while. They're wearing masks on the subways again. The city has now officially told residents to wear masks for any indoor public events and to wear masks for any crowded outdoor events. It's getting scary. And hey, listen, maybe it helps you not get the flu on top of it. Let's go to the phones. Thank you guys so much for your patience. Jay in Michigan, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Very good, listen, sir. How regarding cinema, regarding cinema, um, yeah. it's time that Democrats start calling her on the bluff and support Gallego to run against her full throatedly. In yeah. fact, I, I don't, I don't, I don't grow. I, I don't I don't think of it as cute, funny, or shrewd or anything. I think it's it's either one or two things. Either cinema is having a slow nervous breakdown, and this is just part of it, or this is this has been part of a long orchestrated con job where they they run in the beginning as someone from the Green Party, and That's suddenly it. they morph they morph into some corporatist later or down yeah. the line. I mean, That's I, number two. is she some, some kind That's of sleeper cell that the Republicans put in the Democratic no, Party? No, no, no. No, quite the opposite. I think she's just a raging narcissist. This is what everybody has said. This is this is what her then, former then colleagues and everyone... Then she's But she's not. She's not having a nervous breakdown. She's loving every minute of this. You, you, you watch her social media? She literally tweeted a photo of herself wearing a ring that had the words, fuck off, carved into it when she made this announcement. Like, this is a sitting U.S. senator posting this let selfie me, of her with a ring that says, fuck off. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Can she be recalled, and who will appoint her replacement <laughs> if she was successfully recalled before her term is up? Because I'm tired yeah. of this. Yeah, I don't think she can be, not in Arizona. And and she also, here's the deal. The Democrats can't call her out. You know why? You know why? Because she, she voted for the recall? inflation. She voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. 
Like she she supported Biden. The reason Biden never called her out, the reason Biden never tore her a new one was because he needed her vote. And guess what? With, with the way it is now, they still need her vote. So you will not see any Democrats in the White House or in the Senate ever criticize her by name because they need her vote. And she knows it. She is a well, smug well, we, we narcissist. I, I know I know we may not necessarily, you know, call her, you know, a bitch by name. I'm just saying. Can we work to obliterate her from from in the shadows, you know, like a good any good Republican would, because just letting her get away with this grift is um, it it shows us as a mark as for for any other narcissist that's that's cunning and low and willing to come in and lie, Um, you know, and not really represent anybody just here for sort of uh, employment at your Mm -hmm. expense. And, 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 you know, and it's time to step on folk like this. You know, well, here's the deal. Arizona like does allow it. Arizona is one of 19 states that allows for the recall of state and local officials. Um, but members of the House of Representatives or Senate can only be removed from their offices early by way of expulsion, which has only happened 20 times in all of U.S. history. The last time it happened was 20 years ago when, when Jim Trafficant got convicted on corruption well, charges, well, and then they, re- they threw him out. This Republican Supreme Court doesn't believe in precedent, so and neither do I. So I'm no, all but you know, we've only had two members of the House expelled since the Civil War. Only two. I, look, I, I know that the people that conspired to overthrow the government on January 6th don't need to be in office in any shape or fashion come January. Amen. Amen. Whoever they are, right. whoever yeah. they are. But again, cinema's only about herself, and so what she's going to do is she will play footsie with the Republicans and get their money. And then she will play hard to get with Joe Biden's White House so he can get her votes. And she's going to try and scheme a way that she can still do it. I I don't know how she can. I don't know how this doesn't lead to a Republican getting the seat because she and a Democrat split the ticket. This is a time when we have to say we have to go to uh, blackmail for moral reasons. This is a time when they've yeah. just got to get... Remember James Spader's character in Spielberg's Lincoln movie, Bilbo? Just this this thug that the president knew a guy who knew a guy who could send his dirty trickster out to do it. Someone's yeah, got to blackmail her. Blackmail her and bribe her and get her out. A, uh, what is the character Alec Baldwin played in that movie the cl- where he was a closer and he was just railing cooler about the... Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We need. Yeah. We need I mean, we need we, they need some kind side. of fixer or something. But in the meantime, you're not going to hear anything out of the White House because they need her vote. And so Joe Biden is not for the same. And again, Joe Biden never trashed Joe Manchin personally either. Never by name because he needed his vote. And guess what? He got their votes. This incredible Inflation Reduction Act, which just does so much that's good in it. It's going to allow seniors to pay so much less for medication, especially insulin. It's more money than any government has ever spent to combat climate change. And it all happened because Joe Biden didn't, like Obama, didn't give in to his anger and didn't tell Cinema and Mansion where they could shove it. It's just this is diplomacy and you're dealing with these petulant children. So you and I can tell the truth and call her out and we should and we must. Joe Biden can't. Oh, my God. You know, we're hanging on a knife's edge here. And, you know, there's so much at stake right now to say nothing of, uh, you know, the treachery that is the Republican Party. Whenever I hear any Democrat open their mouth and start talking about bipartisanship, I cringe. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore doesn't exist they they call they call the this respect for marriage act you know this was bipartisan this was bipartisan and technically it was some republicans (laughs) voted for it but the overwhelming majority of republicans in the house and senate voted and said we don't think gay 
marriages have any validity. So it it was bipartisan, Foolish. but not really. Schoolish. Yeah. They, they've proven they've, totally. They've proven that they don't like the rest of us. By the they way, I have like some stats on this. She she cannot be. She cannot. Arizona's constitution only allows for recall of state officials, and the U.S. Constitution oh. doesn't. So they remember they got the signatures to recall Governor Evan Meacham, the the, the flaming racist. Um, but yeah. as Cinema is a federal official, she is not subject to recall. She's got to be voted out. Oh my God! So we're stuck with her. Well, we are, but it could be worse. Look, would you rather would you rather have it be a Republican who hates abortion rights? Or would you rather have it be this compromised phony Democrat who at least will go along with the big things? I mean, this is how it I'd is. Like, this is. I'd like her to be our ambassador to Russia, and we'll send her there. <laughs> well, that listen, the smartest thing Joe Biden could do is give her a cabinet position and let the Democratic governor appoint a replacement. That's the smartest yeah. thing he could do. Yes, yes. Now, and I bet Ooh. you she could be bought. I'm sure she could be bought. That's I what I'm talking she about. I Listen, know. this is what I believe in. My policy is bribe back better. Let's let's bribe yeah. her and Mansion to be less shitty. If they're if if the oligarchs can buy, if everyone who voted for Joe Biden would send a a, a buck a piece to bribe those two, that's eighty one million dollars. We we can make them do handstands if we want. Bribe back better. I'm a thinker. Yes, I have I plans. Agree. Now that that's constructive. Thank you, that sir. Thank you. We Bye-bye. just saved the republic. Thank you, Jay. Have a great evening. Mm-hmm.